Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Fantai, the podcast for all those complex and complicated conversations about the gray areas in our lives. I am entertainment journalist and writer of all of the cover stories, Travel Anderson. Mm, and I am wondering why you're yelling, also known as uh, <laughs> politics and pop culture journalist, Jared Hill. Um, before we get into everything, since you mentioned it, uh, and I didn't have time for it in honorable mentions, if you guys go check out the new issue of Essence, Travel has written the cover story featuring the first black gay man to be on the cover, uh, Billy Porter. Congratulations to my sister and my co-host, Trin. Um, So shout out to that. <laughs> Go do that right Thank now. Uh, coming up on the show today, we're talking about The Breakfast Club, the, you know, obviously really popular show that comes out of New York. If you're a white person, you might think I'm talking about the movie. You're going to have to do better. Plus, <laughs> did you know? Black people used to live here. Yes, black people did used to live here. You'll find out why they don't know Mo in our dishonorable mentions. But before we get into all that, we've got to pass the popcorn. Pass the popcorn is uh, a segment that we do that's really almost become like a mini fanti. <laughs> this is a segment that celebrates <laughs> drama happening around us, usually on social media, often the best and the worst kind of drama that there is. And if it's so good, you can't look away. There's only one thing to do, pass the popcorn. <laughs> this week, we're talking about the BET Awards. So last Sunday was a big night for the flagship show before, but more importantly, uh, this was the first major awards night to go up in the time of coronavirus and social distancing. And I will tell you when the, I, I'd forgotten that the BET Awards were coming because, you know, a lot of shit was going on. Um, <laughs> and when they had said, when I started seeing marketing for it, I was like, what does that mean? You know, I was confused. Yeah. Like, you're going to do an award show. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, I saw hosted by Amanda Seals and I'm like, but what does that mean? Like, I don't get what, what's coming. And I want to give snaps first before we address some other issues but i do want to give them kudos for one not canceling the show like the tonys did uh not postponing the show like the oscars just did by two months and for innovating and setting a new path forward on how awards nights can really look if when you can't have a live audience and when you can't be in a theater and you can't even really be live like i was so impressed with the show that they did so and i i would dare say it's been one of my favorite award show events in a while because mm. it was so well done. I don't know. I I I um mm. with some exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I thought I I do I agree like to give give the applause for for pulling this off. Um however, comma, you know, there are I just want to note that they're right the virtual pride, right, is is a thing that happened over the course of last uh uh last weekend and you know, they also have been doing it's very similar to the setup that BET did with like these pre-recorded bits that people have done and they basically like paste them all together. Um but I I do want to give them paste credit for them like them all together. I would just like for the editors out there that just well, completely were degraded by this language. I don't appreciate it and I don't I don't stand with it. Was I wrong? Pasted together? What you lit copy paste? Mm-hmm. Cut paste? What? Sing, sing your song, sister. Anyway, I do want to you know give it up for them. There there were some issues. You know, uh, Amanda Seals's audio was. Listen, it sounded like she who, was speaking through. You know, like back in the day when you were like when you would like take a cup and put it over your mouth. And you would just like talk through the cup. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like she was caught up uh, like underwater. To be clear, it only sounded that good sometimes. <laughs> like <laughs> it was bad. It sounded like they used like backup audio off of her voice memos 
on her iPhone or something. And like, she just, they were like, oh, well, the mic went out. Send us what you did on the phone and like use that on TV or something. I really felt like Yikes. the sound people played her. But otherwise, I thought the show was really, really solid. Do you think um, that they should do this going forward? Like it should it should always just be pre-recorded performances and, and things like I that? I mean, that's a conversation I hear people having. And my thing is like, I enjoy the live element of an award show. I think that's part of the energy of it and the excitement. But I really liked this. And like, there's just like no fuckery. There's no like, cause see, part of the problem that I have with the BET Awards every year is like, I always feel like I see some shit I'm not supposed to see. And like, wow. that's eliminated when it's something like this. Mind you, it happens on other award shows, but I, I'm, you know, we're more critical of us. But I feel like, I feel like that's part of the process though, right? That's why we like a live show. We like, like the, the, I always think to the, the envelope gate, right? From the Oscars in which, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we, I mean, we wouldn't have appeal. that. We wouldn't have those like wonderful moments um, if it wasn't live. I mean, I will say, you know, while we give BET, it's kudos. We got to continue to call out how they got they got an inclusion issue with you know including our LGBTQ, particularly our trans folks in in yes. in, in the broadcast in a way that's like outside of you know our death. They did have um, in the in memoriam they did an in memoriam and they had um, some of the the names of the black trans folks who've uh, died and been killed uh, included and they had India Moore and Laverne Cox part of that uh, in memoriam to say those folks' names, but. Um, we need we need more we we need more that's not enough absolutely absolutely so shout out to the BET awards for innovating and being the first um to have to go and really setting an example for what i think that award shows are going to have to look like uh at least this year and next so um shout out to y'all all right we've got to take a quick break <laughs> when we come back <laughs> it's time to wake that ass up early in the morning the breakfast club I'm sorry, the show is problematic, but I do love that little drop at the beginning. <laughs> Fantide's coming back in a moment. <laughs> I started listening to Ono, Ross, and Carrie shortly after I broke my arm, and the doctor had told me I'd never walk again. I couldn't get my book started. I was lost, honestly. I knew it was time to make a change. There's something about Oh No, Ross and Carrie that you just can't get anywhere else. They're thought leaders, discoverers, founders. I'd call them heroes. Ross and Carrie don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. They take part themselves. They show up so you don't have to. But you might find that you want to. My arm is better. I can walk again. I wrote an entire book this weekend. It, it's terrible, but I did it. Just go to MaximumFun.org. Thank, Thank you, Ross, Ross and Carrie. Ona Ross and Carrie is just a podcast. It doesn't do anything. It's just sounds you listen to in your ears. All these people are made up. Goodbye. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we, ma we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There was one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. Welcome, Black. <laughs> Welcome, Black. <laughs> you know what? Yes. 
<laughs> with a capital B. Oh, Lord, I hate myself this week. Um, welcome back, everybody. This week, the NYC-based The Breakfast Club, they describe themselves as the world's most dangerous radio show. It's hosted mm. by DJ Envy, Charlemagne the God, and Angela Yee. They're getting the Fanti treatment. Now, in case you don't know, they have 8 million listeners a month, almost 4.5 million subscribers on its YouTube channel. It's become the show that you turn to if you're trying to reach black audiences. But there's also a lot of misogynoir, homophobia, transphobia, etc. But we'll get into all of that later. Uh, I kind of want to start our conversation about The Breakfast Club with a clip from a recent interview back in May that Joe Biden, the uh, vice president, I guess, do we still call, we still supposed to call him vice mm-hmm. president? Yeah. Well, the man who's running to be president, um, Joe wow. Biden, the wow. Democratic wow. Uh, presumptive, what do they call it? The presumptive Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, uh, went to the Becker's Club back in Is May. Is this your first time with English or... <laughs> I just wanted to be. I just wanted to know what we're dealing with here. He went to the Breakfast Club back in May, and he had this to say. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Tonight, Joe Biden is doing damage control. Joe Biden. I had taped an interview with The Breakfast Club. It was a very edgy interview. He was defending his record with African-Americans. So I think this clip is, it illustrates a number of things that like we can break down. And one Uh of them that we talked about in like producing this episode was that like The Breakfast Club, right, has become this like, um, you know, must stop, you know, location on like press tours for literally everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so... Okay, first of all, I ended up writing a whole piece about this this moment with Joe Biden um, that really talks more about the problematic nature of the thing that Joe Biden said and did in that moment right. more than about the Breakfast Club. Um, but I but I do have to acknowledge like the fact that Joe Biden was on this show, right? And and talking to Charlemagne the God, which is not a small thing. If you remember from 16, Hillary Clinton went on um, on the Breakfast Club That's when she was she running said. for president. She had hot sauce in her uh, bag. And everybody says she was pandering to black people. And then people started pulling receipts being like, child, she was literally the governor of Arkansas carrying hot sauce. I mean, excuse me, the first lady of Arkansas (laughs) carrying hot sauce in her bag. This is not new. So um, so all of that to be said, what I appreciate about The Breakfast Club is that they have been able to grow their reach and their scale um, and their scope, really, uh, to be one of those places that people have to go if they're going to go and talk to um, the black and brown community. But what the problem with that is, we'll get into a little bit later, is like they may not be the best equipped people to be doing that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, to be doing these kinds of interviews. I, I appreciate the level of credibility that they've been able to grow and the guests that they're able to bring on to have important discussions that I feel like don't always get have in in like the spaces that the the, the Breakfast Club occupies, oftentimes on hip-hop morning, uh, morning show places around the country. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know that they have the range. I don't know. I mean, I feel like so. So you mentioned how like, you know, the the reach right of this show. I think that's one of the great things to uplift about The Breakfast Club, because, you know, black media outlets, whether it's black magazines and publications or black radio still gets like the short end of the stick when it comes to celebrity interviews and access and, and all this other stuff. And The Breakfast Club appears right in a lot of ways to have transcended that because they can get, you know, presidential. They, I think they got just about every 
uh, nominee that was running to be the Democratic, you know, uh, uh, nominee. In this cycle? Um, in this cycle. They got so many of them. I think you're probably them. right about that, yeah. They got yeah. so many of them, if not all of them. And they also are also, right, interviewing, you know, like Big Frida's been on there, Taraj B. Henson, and, and you know, smaller, like, activists. Uh, Angela Rye has been on it. I was going to say, Angela Rye's on regularly talking politics, which has been a really great addition to that show, um, to really be able to give the audience what they wouldn't be normally getting, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I like that you know a lot actually and and I, I will admit and say that you know I used to watch The Breakfast Club uh well some of their interviews a lot because I I like the way that they and by they in particular I'm talking about Charlemagne you know he's kind of unhinged in the way that he like asks questions and I think that as journalists we sometimes can be Charlemagne is not a journalist for the sake of clarity here but as journalists you and I us. He ain't no journalist. He's an interviewer. He's a personality. I, he's a host. I, I, he ain't no saying, journalist. I mean, we have we have to have. There's a conversation about the broadening of the title of journalist and what that means. That's a different conversation, a different show. Yes, but he's not a journalist. We can have the conversation. I'm not saying different. he is. I'm just making sure everybody saying... else knows. But to your point, though, I think other people read him and Angela Yee and DJ Envy as journalists. And so with that kind of read um, comes, I think, and should come, right, a greater responsibility in terms of the interviews that they're doing, right? In terms of, like, the questions that they're asking or the things that they're letting, you know, certain people, quote-unquote, get away with in their different interviews. I think that they're, um, w- w- yeah, I just think, that, whereas, I should say, right, they look at themselves, I think, as not journalists, as personalities, as um, people whose responsibilities are perhaps more varied than the role of a journalist. Yeah, I, I think the reason that I mean, you and I've had this conversation multiple times and like. Uh, I was just having this conversation again recently with someone else and they pointed out like the importance of like ethics in the things that in the way that you Mm -hmm. uh, get and disseminate information. And I think that is kind of what's missing from The Breakfast Club for them to be journalists for me. Um, But like I do have an appreciation for the fact that they have been able to, like I said, turn this platform into what it is. Should we get into the antis? Well, I feel like we were tap dancing on it anyway. So let's go on and jump right on in. So you enjoy Charlemagne's um, interview style. I didn't say I I enjoyed it. Hold on. Don't be putting words in my mouth. I said that I thought, let me fit. I said that I thought that there are some things that formal, formal journalists can take away from his interview style. The good thing is this conversation is being recorded. Don't know if you heard about that. I didn't but, say I um, enjoyed it. But I'm just saying, like, I don't tend to necessarily enjoy his interview style, but I do end up end- enjoying the conversations that are had there oftentimes, mm-hmm. sometimes, um, if that makes sense. But I, I get frustrated with the dynamics on the show. Like, I feel like Charlemagne will just say something for the sake of the fact that he thinks someone will laugh at it. Mm. And like, I get really frustrated with media personalities, journalists, hosts, you know, the various different titles people have. I get frustrated with people when I can't tell if if they believe what they're saying or not. Mm. And Charlemagne is one of those people for me that like, he just says shit. And I'm like, 
I don't think you really believe what you just said, but you think it was funny and like other people would respond to it. And that tends to piss me off. I feel that way about Ann Coulter. I feel that way about a lot of the people that we see in conservative, like primetime media, like cable news. Mm. I feel that way about a, a lot of people on social media. Like if, if I think that you're just giving an opinion or just saying something for reaction, it tends to turn me off. And I feel that way a lot, a, a lot of the times about shit that comes out of Charlemagne's mouth. Charlemagne in particular, I think is a lot of people's like issue like main issue i guess with the show because he's like he's like the the what do they he's also the main attraction right what do they they call what shock jocks is is that what is that the right word he he gives Mm -hmm. that shock jock vibe where like you never know what the hell is going to come out of his mouth and if you go to the breakfast club for an interview you need to be prepared for that right um yeah and and on the one hand i think people can look at that and say well listen you need better media training so that you know how to you know navigate through that like chloe and hallie did last week you know Mm. when when necessary um on the other hand i always have this question of like you know is it his responsibility is it the show's responsibility to like um to make space for or to take a stance if you will on on certain things i think that's like a, some people's like conflict if you will with with the show they're just like Charlemagne is just you know having fun well i mean i've said this on the show multiple times number one i want to just uh commend you for the way that you arrived at shock jock your english is getting pretty solid i would say <laughs> very quickly um very quick it was good <laughs> um but i want to let you finish your thought number two um you know that I think responsibility is something that people choose as opposed to is foisted upon them right. because of where they are. And so I don't know what Charlemagne believes about his role in culture and in society. And so, and I mean, I haven't read his book, but I actually did intend to read the book. Um, but I just think that he, I think he sees the entertainment as being uh, paramount and like, you know, I get that you're you're an entertainer, but it just it frustrates me because I feel like it's reckless and it is harmful in a lot of ways. And that's what frustrates me about it. Well, so like, right. One of those ways that is like I find it to be reckless and harmful because uh, I agree with you is a couple years ago. There's this little situation with Janet Mock. Right. Mm-hmm. Janet Mock was promoting um, one of her books, the, the second book, The Passing Certainty. And she went on The Breakfast Club to to promote it. Um, and the inner a lot of it was like very trans one on one type of an interview. She she has since said uh, in reflection on the interview, but she felt the need and like really wanted to do it because of The Breakfast Club's reach. And she wanted to make sure that like black people. Right. Got the information that she could provide them based on her experience as a black trans woman, right? Um, and then a few weeks after her being on that show, uh, Lil Duval, the little com- the comedian homie, I'm living my best life. Him, um, I'm going back and forth with you. He comes on the <laughs> niggas. He Sorry. comes on the show, and they're talking about Janet Mock in particular, but you know black men black cis men being attracted to trans women and they end up like putting up a copy of janet's book and this is what that conversation sounds like 
kill transgenders. I said, if one did that to me. If you had sex with one and then they didn't And they didn't tell me, I'm going to be so mad, I'm probably going to want to kill them. Well, all right, let's not even ask him that because until it happens to him, he doesn't know what he might do. Yeah, it might already happen to you. All right, put that damn. But I mean, man, tell me she ain't pretty. Come on, now. I ain't, she's nope. beautiful. That nigga doing his thing. <laughs> oh, not He's doing his thing. So crazy. You ain't nothing to get me. Why you trying it to get? It got you. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Jenny. Well, listen, you might already clever one and don't know. No, I didn't. No, You're in I Atlanta didn't. Now. So that pissed me off. As it should. It. It's like number one. I get moments like that really frustrate me when other people in the room start laughing yeah. because it's like, oh, everybody's co-signing this. This is why Charlemagne does shit like that. This is why Charlemagne or DJ Envy or Angelique, less Angelique, but like sometimes um, this is why they do shit like that, because like it's going to get a reaction. It's going to become a viral clip. But like now I'm looking at Lil Duval differently. Right. Yeah. And I'm I, and I'm questioning yet again why I'm watching this show when like time and time again, they've had great interviews with people that I really love, but then you guys do shit like this. And it makes me feel like I can't trust you because I, I, I believe that you guys have like a real hate for trans women. And that's well, a problem for me. Well, and right. It was, it was made to be a joke. Duval, you know, misgendered her in the course of that clip that we just heard. And she wrote, um, after the fact, she wrote a, a, an op-ed in Allure talking about it. The, the title of it is Dear Men of the Breakfast Club, Trans Women Aren't a Prop, Ploy, or Sexual Predators. And one of the things I want to quote from this piece that she says, um, she says to Duval, she said, Duval purposefully misgendered me as the host's laugh, thereby co-signing in an attempt to put me in my place and erase my womanhood. Their fragile masculinity would not allow them to recognize a simple truth, that I am an accomplished, beautiful black trans woman. Your willful ignorance will not stop me from being exactly who I am, my sister and I are here and we exist and you will not diminish our light and our brilliance. Now, this instance, right, is it wasn't the first time that like they had engaged in, you know, uh, uh, anti-trans, trans misogynistic behavior. Like they had done a similar thing with, um, she's currently on uh, one of the love and hip hop, Sydney Starr, who is a tra black trans woman. When she had came on the show a couple of years, you know, before, um, before Janet Mock. But like, this is uh, uh, just one example, right, of the types of ways in which um, uh, uh, Tanja, Tanja uh, from The Root mentioned that like the, the, the Root does, uh, not The Root, she works at The Root, uh, that The Breakfast Club doesn't care about black women, cis or trans, right? And like, it's interesting to say that because Angela Yee is a black woman who's right there. The problem for me with The Breakfast Club tends to be that they cannot handle any kind of real intersectionality um, beyond like being a heterosexual, you know, person, black, a heterosexual man or woman. And even when it comes to like black women, they don't do a good job with that. And like, I feel like they can't handle gay stuff. They can't handle trans stuff. They can't handle things with women. They just had Russell Simmons on the, the damn show when Russell Simmons has like countless accusers coming out saying that he's, you know, sexually assaulted them, raped them, sexually harassed them in a documentary on HBO called uh, On the Record. It's just like, 
they cannot seem to like see a social issue and be able to address it in a way that it has any kind of responsibility. And I think the the danger in that is so many people that would not like, for instance, on the radio show that I used to host on Channel Q, the show that I did did not have any political coverage in it before I came to it, right? Mm -hmm. So then when I came to that show and started adding politics into the conversation, people that listened to that show for, listened to the hosts that used to host that show for years or whatever, they were introduced to politics conversation that A, a lot of them didn't have anywhere else or B, that they didn't have in this space and from a person like me. And so when a person like me and that, you know, it was a very white show, straight white show with a straight white guy and a a white lesbian woman. And me coming in with that information gave them perspective on on politics that they, they hadn't been getting there otherwise. And it also helps to shape the way that people think about things. And so, and, and the same thing here, right? When we have these conversations, we get letters from people all the time saying, you know, I, you know, I hadn't thought about X, Y, Z until I heard you guys talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really harmful when we think about the, the way that the Breakfast Club is going into the ears, hearts, and minds of people across the country. And when they put up a book of Janet, of, of Janet Mock and Lil Duval is saying, oh, you know, the awful shit that he said about her. And then everyone's laughing and talking or whatever. It reinforces the idea that like the the trivialization of the lives of a black trans woman, the normalization of misgendering trans people and, you know, like the comedy around their existence is OK and it's affirmed. And I want to just I want to connect two things. Right. This 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 trans misogyny, this anti trans behavior that we see in a clip like this that happens on the breakfast club where they're all interested in just like the laughs around it is directly connected to for example right the the ayana dior being you know mobbed by in public by black and black uh cis and black cis men and women um just uh, what last month uh you know and it's it's and thinking those people think that that's the right way to deal with and handle uh uh, uh i don't even like saying deal with and handle because you know trans women don't need to be de- dealt with in hand dealt with and handle. but you know how they interact with you know trans people like it's a direct connection and and there is a a I don't even see, but here's the thing, because to your point, you mentioned earlier how you don't you don't feel as if this is like a, a that responsibility is something that like people like have to take on. Um, I'm just wondering. Um, I, I want to say that I want them to take res- greater responsibility. I want them to care about like the the vastness of the platform that they have. But if we're going off of what you're saying, they don't they don't have to. They don't have to what? They don't have to to take on like the, that idea of responsibility. For well, so, like, what they're I'm, you can't like you can't give someone else responsibility, right? The person has to like accept it and live by it. And I think that one of the places that they did do a good job with this was like Charlemagne has been really, really open about his challenges with mental health and wanting to make sure that he could really yeah. uh, go to a therapist and get over like the the rift in his relationship that came, you know, from him being a, a cheater and all that kind of stuff. And like they've really been able to open up conversation about mental health in a way that like you know five years ago they weren't talking about on that, that show. And we see that need, on a lot right? of different places. 
Absolutely that, right? And so like a conversation that, you know, a lot of black men are not comfortable having or historically have not been comfortable having. And so then when they bring people into the space, when they want to have conversations about, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing some anxiety or I'm having some depression or, you know, I'm really having a tough time in my marriage. Like they've been able to have those conversations in a way that is illuminating and kind of exciting to me to be able to hear people talking about things like hear people talking about this uh, in ways that you wouldn't ordinarily hear them, right? But then when it comes to issues like this, then it's really, really frustrating. And I feel like, like I said, harmful. Um, and, and part of what frustrates me on that show as well is like Angela Yee is there, but like she doesn't take up much real estate. It almost feels like she kind of like tosses in a question from time to time. And like, I don't know if she doesn't feel empowered to be able to ask questions, but I always forget that Angela Yee is there. And even the way that the show is shot, the, like when you see the camera angle, like oftentimes you were seeing like yeah. Angela Yee's back and like maybe sometimes her profile, but we're seeing like a full frontal um, shot of Charlemagne and, you know, a pretty good shot of, of uh, DJ Envy, which to me also still makes me think about the way that we have conversation about how they don't handle black women well. Like the fact that no one in that studio has said like, maybe we should put a camera on the other side so we can see Angela's face when she's talking. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I think that is <laughs> that is very important. I want to note that I do feel like in some of these, you know, contentious situations that, you know, we've brought up, Angela Yee has tried um to to right the ship, if you will. Um like even in the clip about, you know, the Janet Mock clip, you can hear her saying, "Guys, let's not do that, guys." Let's not do that, guys. You know, and so but like even that, like, but Angela Yee doesn't have the range for that either. To really be like, come on, guys, is one thing. To say like this is problematic and here's why, yeah, is another thing. You know what I mean? Like, no one can speak up on that show and say like, actually, what you guys just did is really harmful. And think about the young trans people, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In, well, the, in the in the documentary disclosure that we talked about last week, one of the things that really has stuck with me the most from that was they were talking about the ways that parents would see the depictions of trans people on on television or mm -hmm. in media, mm -hmm. and the way that that would impact the, their concern for their child when they told them that it was they were LGBTQIA. And like, I it made me think about my mom and like all the resistance that I got from my mom and my mm -hmm. dad about being gay and like how hard it was to come out as a Christian and all of that stuff. You can go listen to the gospel, gospel music episode, but like, it was so hard. But then I thought like, oh, but my mom probably was seeing the ways that we were depicting gay people in, in media. And like the same thing with, with the parents of trans children, like they probably are seeing the way that, uh, you know, that Charlemagne and Lil Duval laughed at the photo of, at the, at the book cover of Janet Mock. Yeah. And like, that puts a little bit of a seed in your mind that programs a little bit of something into your head about the way that, oh shit, my child just told me they're trans. Are they going to be laughing at my daughter? Are they going to be laughing at my son or my child? Like, that is the, a thing that like frustrates me about those moments like that, especially when someone doesn't have the range to be able to respond. Yeah, it, it you know, it's it's interesting because I do want to, you know, reiterate that, like, I feel like the reason why people, you know, still go to the breakfast club is because of the reach. It is because of how quickly you yeah. can get particularly to black people just by going to this one entity where you might not be able to reach that that many people at once through an essence or the root or the griot or or whatever the case may be. I remember Janet Mock saying that, like, she 
she she knew a little bit about like what she would have to deal yeah. with going on that show, but she did it anyway because of the potential reach. And, you know, I guess we should say that, you know, The Breakfast Club has, you know, they've been getting this type of criticism for a minute. This isn't the first time. And they, I feel like they have tried to address it by bringing on different types of people. They had Flame Monroe on in a very bad interview. Um, but bad because of Flame Monroe, not bad necessarily because of the Breakfast Club folks. They've had um, uh, David Johns on, who's with the National Black Justice uh, Coalition. Is that right? Yeah, the National Black Justice mm-hmm. uh, Coalition. Um, and and he has been like, you know, as a, he's a black gay man, um, trying to to do his work as a cis man to educate these other cis folks in in that way. Um, and so they they have brought in more diverse voices, but it's the follow through of that. You can't just bring on more queer and trans people and then continue to perpetuate, you know, anti LGBTQ behavior in the interviews where they're not present. Well, so this is also one of those situations where I get concerned because I'm like, so do I want them to be pulled off the air? I don't think it's that per se, but at the same time, like, I don't want the shit that they're doing to continue. Like, and then you have to wonder, like, who are the executives? Like, I don't know if the executives that are in charge of them are black or white, but I do think to myself, like, is it harder to then go in and tell a, a, a black show if you're a white executive like what they can and cannot do and that's not just the breakfast club like that's in myriad places where things you know turn problematic Mm -hmm. but like i i just keep thinking to myself like i'm not saying like i need you guys to get off the air because i think there's an important piece of real estate that you have that um that you know has value and if we get rid of it you know what 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 fills that gap but also at the same time like somebody has to come in and say like y'all just can't do this anymore like it's just it's it's not okay yeah, I do. Before we wrap up, I do want to just, you know, we you mentioned how um, some of the current conversation is around how they welcomed uh, Russell Simmons onto the show um, and didn't really, like, hold him accountable um, in terms of the allegations that are against him. But no one on the show has, uh, according to the, the, the folks who are in the documentary that you mentioned on HBO on the record, um, The Breakfast Club has not reached out to any of the, of the folks in that documentary, the director, the uh, producers or anything they haven't made space but that brings me to this the root piece that I mentioned earlier I just want to read a small part of it um, because it's written by a black woman about how the breakfast club doesn't care about black women and she says I'm tired of black women being roadkill even in the name of black pride I'm tired of black pride meaning the protection of cis hetero black men at the expense of those who do not identify as such I'm tired of living under the burden of a brolic rape culture I'm tired of the very platforms that are supposed to represent me constantly shitting on those who most closely represent me i'm tired of yelling my frustrations and critiques into a void i'm tired i guess i could say that i've dot 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 lost my appetite for breakfast so shout out mm. shout out to tanya um uh tanya renee stidham i hope i said your last name right sis um over at the root for that what i think is important about that as we as we wrap up i I can't help but think like if this were white people and they were having these kinds of conversations about black people, they would be off the air right now in the moment that we're in right now. Um, And the ways that we're seeing people getting canceled, like if they were if they had put up like a photo of a black woman and been like and they had misgendered her or, or, you know, like done something like that, like people would be calling for them to be off the air right now. They would be. 
And so I'm not saying that, like, I think they need to come off the air because I feel like Donald Trump, they're, they're kind of like Trump. This is what happens when you give ignorant assness a, a platform and money. And, <laughs> but unlike Trump, I do think they have more value and shouldn't just be thrown away. Um, I don't think I'm not really sure. But like if they have the range to be better, be better. But frankly, they haven't. So I don't think they do. Before we wrap up this topic, we want to know what your thoughts are. You can tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram at Fantai Podcast on both platforms. Uh, jump in our DMs or you can uh, you know, tweet something to us. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got your listener feedback and then our dishonorable mentions. And we'll tell you why black people used to live here. Don't go anywhere. Fanti is supported in part by Arta Wigs. Arta Wigs was founded by a wife and wife team, that means they're queers, of uh, cosplayers, and they couldn't find the products on the market that they wanted to use themselves, and they're basically committed to meeting the needs of the cosplay and drag communities. So what's funny to me about this is when they reached out thinking about being a sponsor on the show, our our sponsorship coordinator like was asking, like, do you want them to send you wigs? And me and Travel were like, Duh, girl. Yes, <laughs> of course. And so, like, Duh, girl. Um, and so we uh, we have these. I, they sent us like the same wig, but mine is blonde and his is like a silver gray. Oh yes, and honey. she's a silver fox he, over here, honey. Yes, but like it was funny because uh, the wig came in the mail and Travel FaceTimes me wearing the wig, and like I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, they're very cool. Like it's 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 just a very cool thing. So if you're a cosplayer and you're looking for. Uh, great different styles that you can go try out and like good quality wigs. Arta Wigs is definitely the place to check out. Yes, and even if you're not a cosplayer, if you, you know, you do a little drag on the side or you do a little a little other play, play on the side, if you know what I mean, mean, okay? These wigs, I think, will be perfect for you. You can pop them on for your Zoom um, quarantine. What is it? The club quarantining that's been happening. The Zoom happy mm-hmm, hours. Mm-hmm. Spice up your zo- your Zoom life as we all are still stuck in our particular houses. These wigs, they're made of these high-quality, heat-resistant fibers and are double-thick and extra-large to fit Jared's big old head. So it'll definitely okay, all, fit yours. <laughs> they are... Look, look here, mini ears. <laughs> Don't do it. They are a company, again owned by two queer women, two queer lesbians. So we love to support the community, all right? Um, so all right. for a limited time, listeners can use the code ARTAFANTI to receive 10% off your purchase of $30 or more. Just go to ARTAWIGS.com. That's A-R-D-A-W-I-G-S.com and enter ARTAFANTI, A-R-D-A-F-A-N-T-I at checkout. That's ARTAWIGS.com and enter ARTAFANTI at checkout and create with us. Yeah. All right, beautiful people, we're going to get into your listener feedback. This one comes from the IGs from at two dads, two kids. Um, the number two. Um, keep doing the most. I love your podcast and I hate your podcast. Oh, wow. I did not read this before reading. Um, I was saying, that took a turn. <laughs> I love your podcast and I hate your podcast. Can y'all manage to do two each week, at least during the Rona? I need something to look forward to on my daily walks and I've played Rain On Me way too many times to keep the walls entertaining. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, no, no, we can't. <laughs> uh, uh-uh. uh, no, sweetie, love you, love you so much, love you like like the deserts love the. I don't know what I'm love doing. you like I but, love fried um, chicken. 
Listen, and macaroni and cheese, but uh, yeah, no. But <laughs> I mean, if you want more of the show, you can go over to maximumfun.org slash join and uh, that part. contribute to the show. You can patronize the show um, and, you know, and, and, and help us to be able to make more of the show. And maybe if there's enough of y'all out there that do that, we can give you two shows a week. But that's a lot to ask. <laughs> it's a lot to get this one. So, um, all right. Thank you for that. At two dads, two kids on Instagram. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, we're sending you a t-shirt. No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> dishonorable mentions. It's time for our dishonorable mentions. These are the stories of people that caught our attention this week and deserve a call out either for their good or their stupid. I am going to go first. Um, I want to shout out to this group of people in Brooklyn who uh, they were walking down the street in what I thought was just like a, a group of friends. But as the camera pans, you can see like, oh, no, this is an organized march yes. with signage and a group of people. Take a listen to what they were saying. Baby, when I tell you, you sent this, Travel, you sent this in a text thread that we're in with some friends, and I saw this and I was inconsolable. Like <laughs> it's I so good. laughed for the next hour. I had a whole phone call with my best friend about how black people used to live here is like it is so bold because the white people in the in the, uh, the there's like a brunch that they're like passing or something like an outdoor patio right. and the white people look so confused they don't know what to do they're like I can't chant this with you but I can't be mad because you're right but I can't really react it's hilarious to me it's so good it's so good shout out to them shout out to them my first uh, honorable mention is going to go to the one and only the young icon the young media mogul herself Marseille Martin who got into it you know with some people in her Instagram comments who didn't like her wig that she got on um, and she clapped Which, back I didn't think the wig was bad I it wasn't great but it wasn't bad. I don't think the color works well for her skin tone, um, but I like the style of the hair itself. Um, okay. That being said, she is not playing games with y'all. Take a listen. Y'all, we are in quarantine and we got more things to focus on than just my hair. Justice for Breonna Taylor. Now she does this all while wiping her fake tears with a hundred dollar bill. And like, like while we've got we've got a separate critique about, you know, black capitalism, which we'll get to at another time. But yes, sis, read ooh. them. Read but still, read them, okay? This makes me think of one of my favorite uh, tweets of all time, like in the history of Twitter. It was Gabby Gabore Sidibe after the Golden Globes. And she tweeted something like these carpet photos of her from the red carpet, and she tweeted something to the effect of like, for all of you that were making in front of me please know that i cried on the private jet back to my dream job <laughs> yes and i was like go off bitch like i was living for that so um shout out to marseille martin because you're everything um, okay i want to give an honorable mention to a show on hbo called i may destroy you uh, so good it is, it is so good what what is crazy to me about the show is i spend so much time trying to figure out what kind of show it is does that make sense yes like it's not really a comedy, but it's funny. It's not really a drama, but it's 
definitely a drama. It's definitely dramatic. Yes. The formatting of it, the timing of it, like, it's just, it's so disorienting in a way that I'm really enjoying. You want to tell the people what it's it's about? No, not really. Um, No, (laughs) the show, the show, is it, is it Michaela Cole? Michaela Cole. Michaela Cole, um, who you would know from Chewing Gum, uh, which is a really popular show uh, over uh, in Britain that was on Netflix here. She is, uh, she's a writer and she goes out one night while she's on deadline and she wakes up the next morning unclear about what happened the night before. And the Mm -hmm. series kind of follows her um, beginning to recollect what all happened. And so it's interesting. It's such an interesting premise, first of all, that I've never seen before. But second, she is just, it's so it's so interestingly shot. It's so interestingly told. I just love the show. So make sure to check out I May Destroy You on HBO. Yes, new episodes every Monday. It's really, really good. Um, this is not an ad. Um, my um, honorable mention... This is not an ad. <laughs> my honorable mention goes to all of the melanin-challenged folks that are, like, quitting their jobs, resigning from their jobs, voicing black characters. I don't know how many people, like didn't know this but a lot of your favorite black animated characters are actually voiced by well if they're not voiced by the legendary Cree Summer cause she be working I was gonna say, cause Cree <laughs> Summer's voicing every other thing she be working but if they're not voiced by Cree Summer they're voiced by some white person um, or Regina King um, oh well shout out to the boondocks um and so now in this moment of social reckoning that we're going through a lot of these white folks are being like okay you know what black characters color uh characters of color should be played by people of those communities and they're damn right um so it's not really too much of an honorable mention but just a mention mention because y'all should have done this in the first place Right. This is something we shouldn't have had to ask for. Exactly. This is something that should have never been a headline. Um, Our producer, Laura, found this, and I thought it was really, really cool. I want to give an honorable mention to the great mathematician and aerospace engineer, Mary W. Jackson. NASA is going to be renaming their D.C. headquarters after her. Um, Part of their press release said that Jackson went on to lead programs uh, influencing hiring and promotion of women in NASA's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics careers. And in 2019, she was posthumously awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. They went on to say... Today, we proudly announced that the Mary W. Jackson NASA headquarters building, it appropriately sits on Hidden Figures Way, a reminder that Mary is one of many incredible and talented professionals in NASA's history who contributed to this agency's great success. So congratulations, Mary W. Jackson, we say your name. Yes, Mary Jackson was also uh, one of the lead characters in the movie Hidden Figures for the Hidden people figures. Who, who didn't make that connection there. Um, shout out to that. <laughs> um, my last honorable mention is going to go to this short documentary. It's about 17, 18 minutes long that's now on YouTube that I want everybody to check out. It's called The Future of Trans. It is written, produced, and, and starring Amara Jones, who's a wonderful black trans uh, activist. It's so good, um, featuring, you know, short interviews from all of your favorite black trans folks um the folks you know and the folks you should know um so please be sure to check that out when you get a chance again it's called the future of trans it's a short documentary by amara jones on the youtubes all right 
I think that's it, right? That Are we is, done? That We're is, out of here? That is it. Wrap it up with a bow on top, honey. Producer Laura is thrilled that we did not go over an hour like we <laughs> we, as we are like to do. Uh, we want to thank all of you for tuning in. Please make sure if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts to go over and give us a five-star review. Let, leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show, what you like, love, and uh, hate about us. If <laughs> you have a comment or a suggestion about this week's show, you can tweet us at Fanti Podcast, and you can also hit us up on Instagram at the same, at Fanti Podcast. Yes, and if you want to support the work that we're doing here, like our good friend earlier uh, in the listener feedback segment, you can become a member and <laughs> financially support us, okay? $5, $10, $20, whatever you can do, we will take. You can do that at We will max- still take the million dollar check that we mentioned before. <laughs> you can do that at MaximumFun.org slash join whenever you get your coins in order. And as always, you can contact us directly at Fanti at MaximumFun.org. You want to fire up the air horns? I'm ready. Um, we want to thank our producers, Laura Swisher <laughs> and Jordan Callen. <laughs> this is a production of Maximum Fun. Watching you do the air horn, that's entertainment. <laughs> I hate you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. You want to start? Um, sure. I can do it. Yes, you go. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I don't believe anything about what you just said. Here we go.